This sermon is brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. As you listen, we hope that you enjoy it and that it helps you in your walk. Please visit our website in the information below and drop us a message. We would love to hear from you. Diving into today's message, going ahead, get, going ahead and going ahead and getting started. I'm a little rusty. Give me a break. Going ahead and getting started. How many of you guys have ever played a video game like Zombie Survival or Survival Mode? Anything Survival? Like, there's even like survival games like Plants vs Zombies and stuff like that. You guys, if you haven't ever played it, are you somewhat familiar with it? Well, okay, well, either way, I'm going to explain it to you anyway, because I know there's like one person in here who has no clue what I'm talking about, and they will miss the entirety of my sermon because it is called Turning Off Survival Mode, so they will completely miss it. So, survival mode. Survival mode of a video game. Basically, it doesn't matter what the, what the survival mode is, whether it's zombies or just uh, surviving swarms of people, they all start off exactly the same way. It starts off real, real small, casual. A couple enemies will come. You start feeling confident about yourself. You're good to go. You're like, all right, this is good. I'm going to conserve ammo. I'm going to just take headshots. I'm going to make, make this like as casual as possible. And then a few rounds go by, and all of a sudden, you're like, all right, I'm going to start shooting them a little farther away. I'm going to start taking care of them a little farther away, but I'm going to make sure of my shots. And so I'm going to take my time taking the shots. And then a few more rounds go by. And you're realizing that you're in over your head and you're just spraying and praying, killing them at, at any point, anywhere. As long as you see one, you shoot it and hope you kill it. And then eventually it gets bad enough to the point in which you have to then retreat backwards and find another room or a, a, another place where you can hide, where it funnels them into a certain area. And then you can take them out slowly one by one. And then eventually that even gets overwhelming and they'll overrun that little area that you're in and eventually they will take you out. That is survival mode. It doesn't matter what game you play. It doesn't matter how many rounds you last or how good of a shot you are. Eventually you will lose. There is no winning to survival mode because the point of the game is to see how high of a level you can get before you die. So survival mode, you don't really win. You just are better than other people at it. Really, there is no winning at survival mode. And so our faith sometimes can be like that. I mean, for real, like our faith can really be a lot like that. So you get to this place where everything is just awesome. You go to a conference or a retreat or some awesome sermon or some amazing worship or you just had an awesome time with God and you're just kind of on this God high for a little while and you're just fired up. Your ammo is full. The enemy is far away. Man, you just feel like you could take on anything. And then as the enemy begins to step up his attacks on you a little bit, all of a sudden you start to notice the enemy. And so you start taking shots a little more deliberately. You start actually planning your day around. You might actually plan it waking up at 8 in the morning and praying. Or, you know, you plan on going to a Bible study every single day of the week. Or you make these plans in order to deal with uh, the next level of attacks. And then it starts to get overwhelming, and then you start throwing out prayers, Hail Mary prayers, hoping that God just hears you and will, and will take your prayer seriously and take care of it. Your prayers become less strategic. It almost becomes more in over your head. You're starting to just throw out hard prayers and God will you help kind of prayers. They're a lot less strategic. Your timing is no longer on, on point. You're no longer waking up and praying before your day gets started. You start getting in over your head, and so eventually you retreat back. You try to take care of business on your own. You isolate yourself. 
You think, if I can just get through this storm, this next round of, of, of zombies, this next round of whatever, if I can get just through this storm, this sin, if I can just break this sin, then I'll have a short break and I can have some breathing room. But the problem is that break never comes. And so you end up defeated, lonely, by yourself in your faith. And so you begin living conference to conference, round to round. You begin living by those short little bursts that give you a little bit of speed and then you're dead in between. And then you get a little bit of life and then you're dead in between. Man, survival mode is vicious in our faith. So how do we beat survival mode? The same way you beat it in a, playing a video game, there's no way to beat it. You cannot beat survival mode. It's just not possible. I know that sounds so motivating, right? The, the 10 steps to beating survival mode. The step number one, turn off survival mode. The only way to beat survival mode is to never even get started in it in the first place. And so today, turning your Bibles to Philippians 4.4. 4. To give you guys a little bit of historical context on Philippians before we get started. Uh, Philippians was written by Paul. Um, he was already in custody, and he was looking towards, knowingly looking towards being thrown in prison. And he really didn't know how long he was going to be in prison. And so Philippians was written already in custody, knowing he was going to prison. So keep that in mind while we read this, okay? So Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. In verse 4, Paul is commanding us. It's in the, the imperative of, of a command. Or it's in the imperative. He is commanding us to rejoice. So when you think about this, and he's saying rejoice. And he says, I will say it again, rejoice. It's important enough that he repeats himself. And not only does he repeat himself, he makes it obvious that he's going to repeat himself. You know what I'm talking about? When somebody's going to say something important, and they're like, you know, close the door behind you. I will say it again, close the door behind you. You better close the door behind you, right? Saying rejoice. I'll say it again, rejoice in all things. Paul is in custody while he's writing this, and he is saying rejoice. He is commanding us to rejoice while he's even in a situation that you guys are, none of you guys are in prison right now. And so I can honestly tell you that he was in a better situation, or he was in a worse situation than any of us in here. And he was telling us, rejoice, always rejoice, making it painfully obvious that he's commanding us to rejoice. Definition of to rejoice is to show great joy or delight. So how many of you guys have ever been around that downer, that just... Man, just being around them sucks the life out of you. Like, you get done being around them, and you're like, you're done. You need to go take a nap and watch some Netflix because you're just toast. You guys know that friend. You're picturing them, right? 
you have a picture of that person. Maybe it's not a friend. Maybe it's just, maybe it's a relative. I've got a few relatives like that. You guys know what I'm talking about. You can picture them right now. So, and as you're picturing that person, let me ask you something. If that person was trying to sell you something that says, man, this is going to change your life for the better, it's going to be absolutely amazing, it's going to be life-changing, you want this item in your life, how likely are you to use that item? For real. Picturing that person, honestly answer that question, are you going to buy what they're selling to change your life? No, probably not. Paul is saying, rejoice. Show great joy or delight. Let me say it again. He is saying, show great joy or delight in all things. Not just some things. Not just when you're on round number one and life is easy. He's saying in all things rejoice. And you know, you might be sitting here saying, you know, that's just not me. I'm not that kind of person. That's not my personality type. That's just not who I am. If that's you sitting here, I'm telling you, it's not about a gift. Rejoicing, having joy is not about a gift we are given. It is a command. But speaking of things and gifts, some of the greatest gifts we get are from the Holy Spirit. And so on that same note, when we're talking about things that the Holy Spirit gives us that are not gifts, we find ourselves looking at Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Say it out loud. Stop at the first three. Love, joy, peace. So it's saying Galatians 22 tells us that the characteristics of someone who has given their life to Christ and has the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace. A characteristic. It's not saying a gift. It's not saying something that they, they are given and maybe there might be a few people who experience joy. It is saying the characteristic in which people can tell that you have Jesus Christ in your life is by love, joy, peace, etc., etc. And so when Paul is telling us rejoice, he is literally just saying act like a Christian. I say it again, act like a Christian. Because you have Jesus Christ in your life. Nothing else should matter. You have Jesus Christ Rejoice in all things because you have that love. You have that passion. You have been saved. Rejoice. It's not a choice. It's a command. And it's a commandment that's so powerful that we get joy from the Holy Spirit in which we receive when we give our life to Christ. And so to not have joy is to deny the characteristic of the Holy Spirit which is in you. So every time hardship comes, Every time life gets hard, every time you start struggling, maybe your grades aren't doing so good, maybe your, your house burnt down, maybe there's problems in your family, maybe there's, you know, it doesn't matter what your hardship is, whatever that hardship is, when that stress comes and destroys your whole week, 
what do you turn to to deal? How do you stress? How do you deal with that stress? If when those things in life come and they take you out and they just destroy you and derail you, if it actually just wrecks your life and you find yourself worrying incessantly, you just are stuck in worry mode or stress mode. You guys know that feeling where you're just anxious. And sometimes you don't even know why you're anxious. You're just anxious. But a lot of times if we know our why and we're anxious and we're stressed and we're just, man, life just doesn't make sense to us. If you get to that point, you need to make sure you take a step back and you look at your life and you try to analyze where your foundation is built. Because if your foundation is built in grades, you're going to worry constantly about your grades. If your foundation is built in your future career, you're going to be worried constantly about your future career. If your foundation is built, and sometimes I hate to say it, but if your foundation is built in your family, when there's struggles with your family, you're going to be worrying and stressed out like nothing else. You need to check where your foundation is built. Because as Christians, we are called, we are commanded to have our foundation built in Jesus Christ. And so when things of this life come at us, we shouldn't be worried. We shouldn't even think twice about it because we have Jesus Christ. Yeah, your car won't work. We have Jesus. Man, your house burnt down. Yeah, but I have Jesus. And Kayla told a story about the homeless people. Man, nothing else. They were cold. They were freezing. But she had Jesus. She wasn't worried about what tomorrow might bring because she had Jesus Christ. I forgot water, so my throat's going to be parched. Paul is in prison. It's awesome having a nice wife. So Paul is in prison, and he is commanding us back to what we were talking about, back to Paul. He is commanding us to rejoice. I'm pretty sure it's, it's pretty safe to assume that he is saying, and it's assumed that he's saying this. He's saying, no matter what your circumstance may be, we shouldn't be troubled by anything of this world because we know that there is something so much bigger. There is something so much more important than anything that this world can throw at us. And he's saying, while dealing with it, we need to rejoice. Because all it comes down to is when you give your life to Jesus Christ, your name is written in the book of life. If nothing else in your life goes right other than that, you're still to rejoice because that is so much bigger than anything else in this world. There is nothing more important to you than having your name written in the book of life, which means there is nothing more important to you than Jesus Christ. Whether you're a believer or not, Jesus Christ is still the most important thing in the world to you because if you don't have Jesus, when this world ends, you don't have anything. You need Jesus in your life. Do not be anxious about anything. Are you anxious? Are you worried about a class that you might be failing or that might be tough? Are you worrying about family problems? Are you worrying about somebody that hurt you? Are you worrying about somebody who 
maybe you trusted with something and they betrayed you. Are you worried about anything like that? Are you worried about it? Are you anxious about it? Ask yourself right now, is there anything that you're worried about? And stop it. And choose to rejoice. So let me ask you guys something. Could you imagine? Oh, this would be so amazing. Could you imagine if when tonight is over, service is done, and as you guys walk through those doors, as you walk through the doors, once you get past the doors, for the rest of your entire life, you never worried about a single solitary thing. Seriously, could you picture that, that peace? If you, when you walk through those doors, you never worried about another thing for the rest of your life. You were set. So let me ask you then, in order to walk out those doors and never worry about another thing for the rest of your life, what do you think it would take? If your answer is more money, then your foundation is built in money. If it's a, a spouse or a significant other or a family, then your foundation is built in that. Whatever you think that, that thing you just need to be happy is, that thing that you, if you just had it, you would never worry again. Whatever that is, that's what your foundation is built in. And so for a single moment, you honestly think, like I said, if you think just having more money, just, just being able to pay for whatever you want would get you peace and that you would never worry again, then that's what your foundation is built in. And if your foundation is built in anything other than Jesus Christ, your foundation is built in the wrong thing because it will fail you and you will worry and you will stress. We truly have the one single thing in this world that will truly allow you to walk through those doors and never worry and never stress again. And it is Jesus Christ. And when you are worrying and you are stressed, we are called to rejoice in Jesus instead. You worried about your test? Man, study and rejoice in Jesus Christ. Are you worried that your car might break down? Take it to a mechanic and then rejoice in Jesus Christ. I mean, do what you got to do in this world, but rejoice in Jesus Christ through it. You got a bill that's coming up? Pray about it, find a job, and rejoice in Jesus Christ. I mean, for real. It's not this cheesy thing where every time you pray something, Jesus is going to come down and he's going to magically wish it to you. That's not what Jesus is. He's not a genie in a bottle. It is What he provides to us is so much more important than just money or healing or family issues being solved. He is so much bigger than that. So even through our life and our drama, we should be rejoicing. We should be full of joy. We should be full of peace. Period. It's a command. We rejoice in the Lord always. So how many of us pray about something and then worry about it? Uh, this, is, this was me preaching myself when I was writing it down, for real. I can't count how many times I will pray for something, and then I spend months worrying about it, thinking about it all the time, and I'll, I'll pray for it millions of times, not because I'm praying and asking for God to intercede, but because I'm worried about it. How many of you guys have that friend or that colleague that, 
if you ask them to take care of something, you know that they're going to go and do it. You don't even have to worry about it. So let's say you got a friend, and you say, hey, man, when you get back to, or it's maybe your roommate or somebody that's close to you, you say, hey, man, could you go to my room and grab my cell phone off the desk and bring it to me? And you're just good to go. You know they're going to go do it because they said, yes, they'll go do it. You guys know that person, right? So what's it say about us when we can have that same kind of faith in a person but not in God? And so when we pray to God and we ask God to do something and then we sit there and worry about it, how much faith do we really have in God? Like I said, this, is, this was me preaching to myself. This isn't me just coming down on you. When I was writing this, I was literally writing it to myself. I'm just sharing with you my thought process. Because if when I pray and I worry about it still after I prayed, it shows that I lack trust in God. And then I'm going to continue worrying about it, and it's not going to do any good to pray because I don't trust God enough with the, the thing that I prayed about. I need to let go and let God take control and stop trying to control things on my own. So in other words, I need to stop controlling my life and allow God to take over. I need to let God control my life. So why do we stress so much? Why do we stress? Why do we worry? Why are we so anxious? Well, let me ask you this. When are you the least likely to have peace? Is it perhaps when you feel like you don't have control? When we lose control of something, when we lose control of our lives. If it all of a sudden feels like you're not in control, that's usually the point in which stress and worry takes over. So then what are we putting things of our life in? Are we putting it under the control of God or are we taking control of it ourselves? Because we do try. It's human nature to try to be in control of everything in our lives. So just think about this then. Can you imagine how much peace God has? God doesn't worry. He doesn't fret. He's not anxious. Imagine how much peace God has. Who's better in control of your life, God or you? We should be at so much more peace than we are. We all should. And I don't care if you are at so at peace that, I mean, you're just a sliver under Paul himself. You still need to be more at peace. There's always room to improve in this. Until we're in heaven, we always need to be improving in this. Because we should be so at peace with everything that life can throw at us, everything that the world can throw at us, that it is shocking to the world. See, when people look at us, they should be saying things like, why aren't you worried your house burnt down? Why aren't you stressed about the test coming up? Why are you so okay with, insert reason here, why aren't you worrying? And our response would just simply be, because we know that the Lord is in control. I mean, you do put in the work, put in the time, put in the effort, but let God take control after that. 
It's not an excuse to be lazy and just expect God to do everything in your life. That's not what I'm saying. You still have to, to, to do your duties. You still have to work, but we need to pray like God is in control. So let's go back to our scripture, uh, again, in picking up in verse 8, Philippians 4, 8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lonely, whatever is admirable, what I say? Oh, lovely. <laughs> whatever is lovely, lonely, not one's lonely. Whatever is, <laughs> I wish I hadn't heard that. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So think about these things. What do you think about? Man, when, when you've got that test coming up, when your car won't start, when, man, you just don't have any money, when you're worried about finances, when you're worried about a class coming up, when you're thinking about all this stuff, what are you thinking about? Paul's telling us in here to stop thinking about that and think about whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. Think about such things. Man, everything comes back for me when I think about those things. Everything comes back to God. Everything. If there is anything that's noble, anything that's right, anything that's pure, anything lovely, anything admirable, man, it, it just points to God. But we have a tendency of thinking of our problems. We think about the things that truly are out of our control. So do we think about things that stress and that we truly have zero effect on? Or do we think about God and rejoicing in God in those moments? Even when we have nothing to our names, even if we had absolutely nothing, we still need to be focusing on the things that are praiseworthy. And if, if the only thing that you have that is praiseworthy goes back to the moment you accepted Christ because you know your name is written in heaven, then that's all you need. That's all you need to be thinking about. And so to wrap things up tonight, Simply, like I said, the best way to turn off survival mode is to simply play a different mode. There's another game mode called God mode. You guys ever heard of God mode? Playing God mode is a lot more fun than survival mode. You get to do whatever you want. You're invincible. Man, you have unlimited ammo. You're just good to go. Turn off survival mode and choose to re rejoice instead. So I'm going to have Reuben come up. I'm going to have the small group leaders come up. And uh, can I get one of you guys to shut off the light? And so I want you guys to do something. We're not closing right now. Um, but I want you to do something for me real quick. If you don't know Jesus Christ, or the Jesus Christ that I'm talking about is completely different than the Jesus Christ you know, and you're sitting here saying, I want that kind of peace in my life. I want you to do something for me. Can I have everybody bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're sitting in here and you're saying, I don't know that Jesus Christ. 
Maybe I don't know Jesus Christ at all. And you want to have that Jesus Christ. You want to have that peace. You want to have that. You want to have your name written in the book of life. If that's you and you know you, you can feel it. You've never accepted Christ before. You've never given your life to Christ, at least not this Jesus. If that's you and you know it and you can feel it and you want to give your life to Christ, tonight I'm just going to ask you to do something and just raise your hand up. That's all you got to do is just raise your hand up right now. Raise it high so we can see it. All right, see your hands. You can put them down. If that's you and you raised your hand, in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come up, find somebody that you know up here, a small group leader, and if you don't know a small group leader, come up to me or my wife. And I want you to talk to them and tell them that you raised your hand, and they're going to lead you in a prayer to accept Christ. We saw your hands, and we can come up to you afterwards also, but, man, you want to do this. You want to get up. You want to find somebody you know that's standing up here. And so if you raised your hand, I don't want to see you sitting in your seat when I give you the opportunity to come up here in just a moment. If you didn't raise your hand, and you're in here tonight, And you're saying, I need to give some things over to the Lord. There's some things I've been worrying about. There's some things I've been stressing about. Man, I want to get back to that point where I'm at peace. I want to get back to that point where I'm rejoicing. I want to flip off survival mode. I want to shut that down. If that's you, the altar is going to be open in a few moments. Don't hesitate. Come up. Find a small group leader. They would love to pray with you. Find your small group leader. And last, but certainly not least, if you just have a prayer request that doesn't have anything to do with any of this, and you just want somebody to pray with it, pray with you for it, feel free to come up. The altars are going to be open. And so right now, if that applied to you at all, I don't want to see you in your seats. The altars are open. Go ahead, find a small group leader, look up, Find where they're at, go to them, and we're just going to wait for a few minutes and give you guys a chance to be prayed for and pray with the small group leader. The, the altars are open. So I just want to remind you guys that, uh, yeah, there's, there's an awesome atmosphere that goes on when we have an altar call, but, man, the altars are always open. These guys standing up here, our small group leaders, they're the leaders in Chi Alpha. They lead small groups. They meet every single week to, to talk about you know, uh, ways that they can grow as leaders. And so these are people that you can go to with your questions. You can go to with your prayer requests. And you can talk to any time of, any time of the week, not just when we're here at Chi Alpha. And so I want to encourage you, if you raised your hand tonight, if you came up for prayer tonight at all, man, I want to make sure you get plugged into a small group. Talk to these small group leaders. Ask them when their small groups meet. Get plugged in. And the second thing I want to talk about, um, if you don't have a Bible, like a paper Bible, and we have Bibles that we can give you guys. They're free. We won't charge you. We have resources. We have 
man, whatever you need, we probably have it. And we're, we'd probably give it to you for free. Probably. A couple things that might charge you. No, I'm just kidding. If we have it, we'll give it to you. And so if you don't have a paper Bible, talk to us. We'll get you in touch with or get one in your hands. Even if we don't have one here tonight, we'll get you one. Um, it's not embarrassing. Don't, you know, just because you don't have a Bible or anything like that, it's not something to be embarrassed about or anything like that, man. We just want to get you in touch with one. Um, and so tonight, let's just close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the peace that comes with having our names written in the book of life. And with that, we thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. We thank you for sacrificing yourself for us, knowing how much we were going to screw up, knowing how much we were going to worry, knowing the problems that would arise in our lives and the problems that sometimes we even make up in our own lives. And yet we can take a step back and we can rejoice because we have something so much better than anything that this world can give us. And we have something so much better that it doesn't even matter what this world takes away from us. We can rejoice. So, Lord, we thank you for that, and we give you the glory, and we give you the honor, and there's nothing else to pray because that's, that's all there really is to it. So it's in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.